The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 57 of the MX Vice Show podcast. We're still here in lockdown, enjoying the great reign of the United Kingdom. Even if, I guess, even if we weren't in lockdown, we still wouldn't be riding. It's, it's obviously that bad. Lewis, are you on the line? Of course. Hello. Hi. Excellent. That is a great start to the show that we've got you on board um, from the mighty Worthing. How is Worthing? Um, I wouldn't know I'm in lockdown, but from my window, it looks okay. That's good. That's good. In the studio is Rob from Jukebox Beats, producing the show as always. Big thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Evenstroke, Supercrosslive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzel Oils, and Talon Engineering. It's been a bit of a quiet week, Halus. Yeah, it's, well, it's weird. It's been a quiet week, but I feel like it's been a bit of a um, quick week. In, in what way? Well, I don't know. It just feels like we only did one of these shows, like, yesterday. That doesn't feel like there's even been time for something to happen. I think Supercross is helping. Um, like, having the, obviously, a Saturday and then uh, last night, it's, it's definitely making the, the weeks, you know, go a little bit faster because... Actually, when I don't have the, the Tuesday night show, do you kind of miss having Supercross not midweek when you have a break? Yeah, it's, all, it's kind of already become like a part of my routine, which is weird. Um, but I think that's, well, I think we've got one more midweek one this year, so it's kind of over now. Ah, okay, that's a real shame because uh, I really like the, uh, the midweek uh, Supercross. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, grown on me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just, um, actually, no, there might be two, Arlington and... Uh, Atlanta. Yeah, two more. So there's that, but not for a while. Arlington and Atlanta are a little bit down the road. So in the world of uh, MXGP first, has anything been happening? Um, no, absolutely nothing. As I predicted last week, the release of the OAT teams, officially, officially approved teams, has kind of squashed all news because that effectively answered every question. So apart from a calendar update, which should be coming soon, or an injury, there is kind of going to be nothing, but that's fine. We keep trucking. I've got. Some, I'm working on some cool little features. We'll keep moving. But I have heard rumblings that the chances of MXGP starting in early June or late May are indeed fairly high. Really? I don't know where. I haven't heard anything about places or formats or locations. But I'm starting to hear more people come, rather than me saying to people, I think it might start in June, I'm now having people come to me saying, I'm starting to hear it is going to start in June. So, yeah, like I said last week, there should be a new calendar mid-February next week, maybe. So that will answer a lot of questions. But if indeed we do start mid-June, that would obviously be June to November. I would imagine that we will, if we're doing June, I would imagine that A, the single day format will come back. 
And I'd imagine that there will be some triple headers or maybe a lot. I, I'd imagine we'll, if we're going to start in June, I'd imagine that a few of the format tweaks from last year will start to filter through, which actually I'm not overly keen on. I'd rather have a two day GP like normal now, but I feel like that's kind of the dream is slipping away. Yeah, I guess um, with everything of uh, you know, you know, unraveling around the world with uh, Corona, they've obviously had to sort of look at it and just, there's still no, even if with the injections and stuff like that, it's still going to take time to to get all this yeah, up and running. It might still start in April, to be fair. Like, it's not like I've heard from in front. It's just rat, like the jungle drums are beating in the industry. Um, but no one really knows because it's people saying, I've heard this. Do you know anything? And I'm like, no, I kind of think that, but I don't know anything. So. Well, maybe you started the rumor and now everybody else is uh, just hearing the, same, the Chinese whisper you put out. I doubt that. But um, I, one thing I have heard today is obviously the International Italian Championship is meant to start at the end of this month, which I kind of presumed was always going to, like, that just isn't going to happen. I just kind of wrote that one off in my head. Yeah. Apparently it's going ahead. Because the promoters are thinking that everyone's in Sardinia now. I think Ice One are in Sardinia. I think Yamaha are. Uh, I think Kawasaki asked, everyone's in Sardinia already. So I think that the promoters are thinking, well, we, if we run a race this month, there's more chance of everyone competing than if we delay it by a month or a month and a half. And then everyone's back in Belgium. And what are the chances of them driving or flying back to Sardinia to compete in our series? So it sounds like we, we will have that still at the end of the month. But weirdly, that might be like a couple of months before MXGP. But we'll see. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. Um, one of the things I was going to uh, mention to you uh, regarding MXGP is Iago Gertz. Oh, God, why? He's got a trainer. Yeah, he's always had a trainer. But he's just announced it on Instagram. No, Stephen Mon's been in with him for four years or so. Three years, four years. So why has he just introduced him now? Because on social media, he announced that he will continue with him. It's been re-signed. You've kind of dug yourself a hole here. You're all, you, I don't know where you're going with this, but you, you're, kind of, you're starting on the back foot. You look bad now because you don't know that. No, well, I, did, I, did, I, I didn't know it. I didn't know for four years that he'd been his rider coach. Yeah, Ramon's been around a while. You see him in quite a few. I wouldn't say he does every GP. I, you probably see him at 50%. And actually, when you think about it, Ramon is a good person for Gertz because if there's one person who was very smooth and good at not crashing. Well, first of all, it would be Evers, but then second of all, you'd probably go Ramon. So, I mean, he's been with him for four years and we still had crashes last year. So. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I... but Ramon is probably a good influence for Gertz. And, well, it's not surprising that they're continuing either. It's a Belgian connection, isn't it? Yeah. I quite fancy... I want to speak to Ramon. That, when I saw that Instagram post, I was like, I need to get in touch with him, but I don't really know how. Uh... What about communication? Yeah, maybe I'll find a pick, carrier pigeon. Pick up a phone or, you know, connect on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, there's loads of things you can do nowadays. Yeah, I think I'll send a letter. So that's about it then. That's the MXGP wrapped up. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's, everyone's, just, <laughs> everyone's just training. Um, uh, Yamaha uncovered their 2021 race bikes. Uh, much of the same. Maybe a bigger monster logo. I don't remember the monster logo being that big. But apart from that, mostly the same. Yeah, nothing. Guys is also in Sardinia. Uh, that's another one who's down there at the moment. So everyone's there. We are, MX Vice is supposed to be in Red Sand. 
doing some pre-season stuff with a few people, but obviously we can't leave the UK. So unfortunately, because if I was in um, Red Sand right now, I'd probably have quite a lot to bring to you. Yeah. Oh, we did have something that happened. Oh. So okay. Herlins did Herlins did the Formula One Virtual Grand Prix and um, made an impression. On people? Yes. <laughs> um, um, I, w- I would say that mostly negative. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really know what to say on that. Um, funny, I laughed. I laughed out loud. But the Formula One community seemed to take their virtual racing quite seriously. Oh, wow, do they? Yeah, so I don't think many people appreciated his kamikaze into turn one and cleaning out half the field. I mean, maybe it has something to do with the fact that there was a hundred grand up for grabs for charity. Oh wow! <laughs> there was a hundred grand up for up for grabs for charity, and Hurling just sent it into the first corner, cutting the track and everything. <laughs> it made me laugh because I just knew I just in my gut I really couldn't be asked to watch it. I wanted I was I wanted to watch it a first of all out of intrigue because I just wanted to see what they kind of said about Hurlings and whether they kind of gave him like recognition for being who he is. Did that happen? Yeah, yeah. They talked about how he's the MXGP world champion, which they never mentioned former or 2018, but they did say over. They didn't explain what motor, what MXGP meant, which I was a bit like, you could at least say like MXGP. That's motocross. I think Herlins is already a bit known in F1 circles because of that Red Bull video that happened last year, the one with the F1 team where he jumped over the cars in a beach in Holland with, with Verstappen. Yeah, so I think he's a lot of people already kind of know the name or at least recognize that number 84 guy. But yeah, I'm trying to, f- I'm just quickly going through because I'm trying to find um, someone. I saw a funny comment on F1 social media about him, but I can't find it now. But yeah, no, it was, but in all seriousness, it was bloody cool to see Herlins as a motocross rider doing something like that. Especially yeah, in definitely. Europe. I feel like that's, that would be more, um, that would be more prevalent in America. But for that to happen in Europe is, um, I thought it was a big deal. So, no, it is a big deal. Big deal. Um, while, whilst I remember, is there any update on Max Anstey? Yeah, he released a vlog. It's, Excellent. It's got everything you want to say. No, I think the goal, he's back on a bike. Uh, he hasn't yep. been super cross yet. He's just done a day on outdoors to obviously get back into the swing of things. But um, Orlando 1 is the goal. I don't know if it will happen, maybe, but it is the provisional goal. So what date's that? Uh, next weekend, so a week okay. Saturday. Wow, that's quick. Well, you've got to be quick and super, like, you, you hang around with this format and you miss chunks. Yeah. But it's actually quite exciting because Max is obviously coming back at Orlando 1, or going, trying to, uh, Wilson's going to try and come back at Orlando 1. McElrath's going to try and come back at Orlando 1. So Orlando 1 will be a nice little kind of... Uh, Sexton, I think. Well, Sexton's going to try and come back Saturday, but Orlando 1's probably more likely. So, yeah. Orlando 1 will be like a nice little reset for the series. Cool. Okay. Prox Racing Parts Supply, genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to the highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. So... 
Should we talk about uh, questions? Well, I mean, I'd rather answer questions. Yeah. Than talk well, about them. Um, how many do we get in this week? Because you, you sent, I don't know. I think you I sent me a list, and I seen. I'm pretty sure the same names as I seen last week. So I wanted to bring up. No, there's a few. No, there's like fifty percent different ones. There's a Russian guy I've never seen before. Uh, there's there's actually quite a few different ones from weirdly people from like Netherlands and Belgium seem to be popping up quite a lot. Ah, okay, well, that's good today. Hmm. I, I take it back. Yeah, I I thought it was just you having your favourites. No, not at all. I I picked the best questions, so it's probably not a coincidence that certain people send the better questions in. Um. No, just obviously, if, if someone sends in a good question, then chances are they'll have another good question at some point. And if someone sends in a question like, why are wheels round, then it's likely that the next question probably is. Have we ever had a, a question either. from a woman? I wouldn't know. I think so. I wouldn't know. I don't keep, I don't really run, I don't really pay that much attention to like the people behind the questions. I was no, just, just wondering if you had anything against women. Well, um, this portion of the uh, show is brought to you by Liat. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. And as you know, they do have a new boot on the market. Liat has taken another step forward with the introduction of another set of boots to their range. Your new 4.5. These boots offer many of the features that come with the super successful 5.5 flex lock boots, as well as advanced technology like the slide lock closure system and extended foot peg riding zone. But at a mid-range price point, 4.5 boots are available worldwide for £254 or €299. Euros. So that takes us to Liat. Ask Vice anything. I was, um, I was quite impressed with these 4.5 boots. Well, you've got some. No, I just looked into them. They were only announced on Monday. But the marketing material that was sent through was quite like in-depth and engaging. So rather than just scroll through it and be like, yeah, 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 it kind of got my attention a bit more. Like there was a video that kind of explained the differences and stuff. So I kind of looked into it in a bit more detail and I was actually quite impressed. And, I, and then it got me thinking about how impressed I am in the, as a whole about where Leah has got to. because. Liat now, you think about it and you're just like, I realise this is a complete tangent, but I just feel like it's something that was on my mind. It wasn't that long ago that Liat was a neck brace company who did gear and everyone was like, and does, does gear? Like, huh? And now, they just do everything and it's kind of considered normal. But because it's considered normal, I feel like everyone forgets where they've come from in such a short space of time. Yeah, I think, and I think... As a company kind of grows, they, they have to sort of bring out products and, and test the market with those products. And they're kind of trying to bring a new, their new ideas about how products should be to the marketplace. So um, I'm pretty sure in the early days, you know, you might get like a, a few issues or bits and pieces, but the stuff nowadays is so, so good. I used to have a Liat GPX brace back in the day. I... I had a Liat neck brace before they were available in Europe. How? I was on holiday in America, um, and I bought one from Chaparral because I'd hurt. We'd hurt my fore. I was nine, so not, uh, we, as a family, had heard of the Liat neck braces. So went to Chaparral to like have a look and try them out, and um, 
yeah, bought a couple and chucked them in a suitcase and brought them home. Wow. How popular were you at Mid-Sussex Motocross Club? Were you like walking around and people staring at you? I don't know about popular, but I was safe. <laughs> <laughs> were you like walking around going, oh my God, that guy's pro. Well, yeah, but even then, like when you think about it now, that like the very first Liat neck brace was such a big deal because it was like a revolutionary thing. Yeah. Absolutely. But it was before that, it was the donut that Millsaps used to wear, which looked horrific. And I still don't really understand what it does. <laughs> Actually, now I think, like, I don't know what those donuts were. I don't remember what brand they were, but I have no idea how they worked because it was just literally a foam. No, it was the same company that bought out um, uh, for airplanes when you're on an airplane and you just need to rest your head. So it's just like to make riding more comfortable. But no, um, these 4.5 boots. Uh, they come with like a few features that made me go, well, huh, like why? Well, of course I'd want that in a boot. You know, like I was like, huh, that makes perfect sense. The inside of the boot is flat and grippy for great bike feel. And I was like, huh, that actually sounds like exactly what I would want. Really? And like, there's an extended foot peg riding zone. And I was like, well, of course I'd want that as well. Like that makes perfect sense. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was quite cool. I just thought something Are you a rider, Lewis, that likes to stand on the balls of your, of your feet? I actually am quite good at uh, foot placement. Are you? Yeah. Do a, when you're riding on the track, then, do a, does a lot of people kind of like sort of point at you and go, wow, look at the foot placement? There is a photo in my house of me riding, um, and now we're massively on a tangent, but there's a photo in my house of me riding when I was on a Big Wheel 85 and there, there was a photo of me doing a jump. Now, you know, this is in the days when you'd go up to the bloke and buy a printout. Yeah. And there was a photo of me doing a jump that I really wanted. And I wasn't allowed to have it because there was this other photo of me coming down a hill. And my form was so perfect that I was made to have that photo because it was just perfection. And at the time, I never really didn't get it. But now I look back and look at that photo. I'm like, but, like I was clearly just on a roll that day. Wow. Like two fingers, like. Chin is perfectly positioned over the handlebars, stood up like, like bloody Evans. I bet, I bet your dad was just stood there going, finally, finally, he's Last listened. Was finally, he's yeah. listened to me. <laughs> I, actually, I actually had um, um, the frustration on not listening got so much at one point that um, I had a couple of training days with uh, old British Championship rider Danny Smythe. Did you know? Could, could he do anything with you? No. But my dad was so like trying to hammer stuff into me and I just wasn't listening that I got booted off to someone else. And this wasn't because I was trying to be made into a world champion, but just because I kind of wasn't listening about the fundamentals. (laughs) I can can imagine you trying to correct everybody on the fundamentals. (laughs) I just kind of, I just, I don't know. I think it's just, I don't know. But yeah, I I mean, we've massively gone off a tangent now. Yeah, right. Let's get back to the questions. Okay. Okay. The Joe Wells. How many different winners do you think we will see in 450 this year? Hmm. 450 Supercross. Um, well, we've had four. I'd like, I really want to see AC win. Like, I really want that. That's what I'm kind of rooting for at this point. But I don't... It sucks, but I kind of feel like the safest bet is to say, no, like, we, we're done at four. Well, it's kind of shuffled back into the Tomac Roxon web show quite quickly. Do you not think Osborne's going to get a win? 
I think he could, but I think that the safe bet right now would be to say no. But if you're looking to put safe money somewhere, I think that Musquin could win. I think that AC could win, and I think that Osborne could win. Yeah. So seven, I think potentially you've got seven winners. But looking at it now, I would imagine I would say that the safe money would be on saying there's no more new winners this year. Yeah, I think uh, Roxton was so good on Tuesday really night. Good. Like, looked like a Roxton that has not been seen in many. The years. intensity in the first three laps was incredible. I think I said it before. I think I said it last week, but this is just again driving home to me. That new Honda must be so good because we already saw a guy like it kind of made Geyser take a step up because as I mentioned many times in GPs last year, 2020 Geyser was a million times better than 2019 Geyser and I think the bike has to take some of that credit. And now we're seeing the same thing with Roxon, which the evidence that's in front of me says that that Honda must be so good. Yeah. No, he did look super smooth last night. Really, really good. shouldn't say last night. I should say Tuesday night, not to confuse people. With um, HRC riders, obviously, they're a bit more like restricted with what they can say. Now that a couple of um, satellite teams riders are getting on that bike, um, obviously, like, but it, well, actually, that kind of doesn't work because none of the Jackie Martins riders rode Hondas last year. Um. None of the JM Honda. Well, I guess you could ask Nathan Watson. But I'm in, I would be interested to know what a satellite level rider has to say about the differences between the two bikes because they don't have as many resources as HRC and they're probably a bit more, they can be a bit more open with their thoughts. So, yeah, I'm just interested to find out more. Cool. At Leeford, when these British motocross podcasts go into restart. Oof. Oh, quite, oh, no, wait, hold on. I meant to discuss this with you before the show. Thank you for your efforts. You are fired from that podcast. Me? Like, thank you for your episode. Yeah, we, we appreciate you doing four episodes, so thank you. But unfortunately, your services in that area will no longer be required. Well, uh, funny you say that because there are plans in action. Yeah, no, you can't. You told a month ago, you randomly, first of all, I'm your editor. So if there's plans in actions, they should have been passed along to me. So that's a fine. Right. And a month ago, you put on Facebook, who wants to? Who do you want to see on a British motocross podcast this week? Completely unbeknownst to me, and I was like, "Well, I guess he's doing that again," and it just never happened. So I'm afraid I'm gonna have to bench you. Do you want to know why? Because a lot. Yeah, there is this little thing. It's uh, like a a national, like countrywide thing called a lockdown, and people traveling down to the studio. Uh, if they kind of said to the policeman, uh, "I'm just off down to the British podcast show," as great as it is. Funny enough, it's not essential. As your editor, I would like to see you maybe do it like we're doing now and just phone them up. I don't think it's the same. But you get. But we've had this discussion. You get. Yeah. Okay. It might not be the do, same. Do, do, do you know why? It's, you do you know why it's not the same? Because it, like everybody, every man and his dog is doing a podcast with um over over doing this, and it's bollocks in my opinion. Well, actually, no. I think every man and his dog's doing Zoom videos. Exactly. That and everything no else. Yeah, but it's, it's shit. So it's like, I... Okay. Well, thanks for listening to the MX Vice show, which clearly, apparently, is, well, <laughs> shit. I, I just think it's... That's also a fine. Why are you saying that's also... You know what? I'd like to see you uh, in two hours' time, privately. What? I ain't got... In two hours' time... I need to have, I need... In two hours' time, I'll be making phone calls. 
Well, that's you will be making one. Some of us haven't got time to do things like that. No, this this serious, being serious, the idea was um, I've got some ideas. Do you you want to hear them now? No, I don't because I need to approve them before they go public because I'm your editor, which apparently has been, as we've just discovered in the last five minutes, seems to have forgotten, been forgotten about. Well, I think you're the editor of all the things that you edit and some of the people. But then, given I'm one of the original people, I can just do whatever the fuck I want, really. I think that if that was the case, you'd still be. You'd, I would never have had to come in and turn this ship around. I, I don't think there was. It, well, sometimes you've got to be I'll grateful. I'll in my office later today. You, you just need to be grateful there's a ship to turn around. Um, I, I'll see you in my office later today. Shall we talk about your job offer this week? No, obviously not. I'll see you in my office later today. <laughs> I have some concerns that I would like to voice. Okay, at Leeford, just to let you know, don't you worry. I believe um, the government is trying their best to get us out of this godforsaken lockdown. And when they do, you're going to love the uh, British podcast show. There's a chance that the British, when the British podcast show uh, returns that I will be hosting it because James may be getting... You don't it. even like British people. I don't know why there, I don't know why there's this perception no, out there. No, there is, because you don't like going to British stuff. You're not even British, are you? I actually like I actually enjoy the British Championship. But you have, you, you, have, you never want to go to the you British somehow, You never want to go to the you British somehow, What I said to you a couple of years ago was with no press room or laptop thing, I don't know if it makes sense for me to drive eight hours when I'm not online. Only to like because then I'm just behind on work all the yeah, time. Whereas that was like, it doesn't really make sense. That was like three years ago, and you haven't been back since. Well, there hasn't been a race in two years. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, I think you just need. To, I'll see you in my office later. Today. I think you just need to cast out your net into the wilderness of British motocross and see if you're welcome. I believe. I don't believe you are. I think everyone likes me in America. In and GPs, and GPs but not Britain. Britain. No, not Britain. Well, I think you'll be surprised. I think, I think I will. Pot kettle. Uh, no, I definitely think. Uh, anyway, even, moving hang on. on. Do you even know any British riders? I could, right. If someone gave us a quiz on the British Championship in the last five years, I would destroy you. You would not. I would. I would. Hunt, I would oh, get full oh, marks. Yeah, but do you know what it'd be? About results. Who who got the fastest lap at, at Canada Heights in, in 2009? Oh, I know, I'm Lewis. Oh, it, it was Brad Anderson with a, a 152. No, no one cares. Yeah, because no one you, cares. It's stories. Knowledge. It's stories, Lewis. Everybody can go onto a fucking results website and look at results. And who got the fastest lap time or whatever. But there's a story to that result, Lewis. It's a fucking um, story. In Trentino, a British team saw me and went, I was listening to your podcast this week. James doesn't know a lot about motocross, does he? And I went, no, but he really is really up on how many kids each person in the paddock has because he likes the stories of the families. And (laughs) this person went, that sounds illegal. (laughs) It's like, well, you said it. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Great. (laughs) <laughs> next question <laughs> you are such a prick 
But it's true. You you've just said it. You love you like you you were very good on a relationship level. You know the families and the kids and the uncles and all of that. I don't know that stuff. No, you're just making shit up again. <laughs> Basically, it's what's going on in people's lives in, in order to get everything right to get them to that level. It's all the little stories which go on about, you know, they're not actually professional riders. They work nine to five throughout the week. But no one talks about all that stuff and no one uh, explores the backgrounds and in, in, in talks about it. It's just, that's just how it is. That's exactly why. It used to piss me off, and that's why I started MX Vice in the first place. It was because those those families and those people didn't ever get any recognition or help. Well, see, you should have led with that because now I feel more. I have more faith in your. Well, no, I hope you feel that you are the prick that you are because you are. You're a, a MXGP Supercross snob. That's what you are. You don't worry about the little people. Okay, at Chris United ninety three. What can we expect from Nathan Watson in his full MXGP return? I'll tell you what. I cannot believe how much Nathan is, like, flying under the radar. He was fly, flying like, under a stick on, online. What? Oh, what you didn't know? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you need to keep up, mate. Flying under a stick? Yeah. What does that even mean? Where he was going around the corner, seeing how low he could go, while his trainer had a stick to make sure he went under the stick. Oh, okay, well that seems irrelevant. Not, but not no, really. Not really. Of, there's always been a lot of Nathan Watson hype. Lommel, believe me when I say there was hype coming into his wildcard ride at Lommel. When I put on MXYs and Nathan Watson is racing, the numbers that that story generated were. Indicative that there was a lot of hype surrounding Nathan Watson. But whereas now it's just all quiet. But I think that's a good thing because I feel like he's good. Like there's going to be there, maybe there's going to be a few knocks and all that. Like it's been a while. But I feel like give him a full season and eventually give it a couple of rounds, give it a couple of months, whatever. He'll be kind of proving that he should have been here all along. I don't know what that means results wise because I was going to say top 10 and then I was like, well, there's probably 24 riders that should be in the top 10. I was just thinking, right, that if I had all the time that you had just as focus on one thing, which is motocross, I'd be fucking brilliant. But because... Hello, who's that whistling? But because I have to divide myself between 8,000 different projects, and I... Is someone's whistling again? Is that your nose whistling? No, I can't hear anything. I think it is your nose. I don't know what you're talking about. It's nothing I from my I think you're doing side. this again. So, so, yeah. I reckon if I could just do what you do is masturbate about motocross all day, I'd be a fucking... I'd be awesome. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm concerned. We've moved on from that. No, I'm still there, really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very angry. I didn't even say... I am I very angry. Fucking Phillips and your fucking motocross fucking knowledge. Where were we? Hey. Oh, Nathan Watson. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, th I agree. I think it's quite nice for him to be under the radar and just go about his business. But I think he could be very, very good this year. Definitely. We've seen, yeah, I think it's better. Sorry to interrupt. We've seen um, glimpses in, in Lommel. It's better for him to come in under the radar and surprise people in a positive way than come in over the radar and have ridiculous expectations on him from everyone. Like, 
I'd much I if I was him, I'd much rather come in in this scenario, and I think it's the best for him to do well. No, agree. And he beats he beats Patrell in my opinion. Oh yeah. Well, like he's the top rider on that team. Well, we see, we seen in um we we seen in Lommel what he was he was capable of. There was just little inklings and snippets of, and that was just not been on a bike that long. I think it was two weeks. Yeah, but I I don't look at Lommel as and they had the wrong setup on the bike. So I don't look at Lommel as much as I look at twenty fifteen, as in his when he um, was at Ice One. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because Lommel, like, ended, Lommel, end of the season, um, there was a lot of injuries. Uh, he came in on the third Lommel race, whereas everyone else had already done a week. So Lommel was great, but I'm more looking at what he was doing when he was the last a full-time MXGP rider and how good he was then. So why can't he get back to that? And not to forget, in 2015, he was doing well against a stacked field because injuries eventually decimated the 2015 field, but he was doing well at the beginning. There we go. Okay. At Jack L. Hyde, how has social media changed the perception of talent in motocross? I have the feeling a permanent presence in the feed of the fans is just as important as results. What do you think? I think more so in America. I don't, I think as a whole, I think Europe is a little behind on stuff. And actually, funnily enough, uh, Last, no, not last year, 2019, Caroli got injured in Latvia. And at, La- and at Latvia, we were going to start working with him on his social media. Like he came to us about just some stuff. And I had a chat with them that morning about like social media generally and stuff. And they said that like Instagram generally isn't as big in Italy as you'd think. Like in Italy, Facebook is the thing. Instagram isn't what as popular as you would think and no one really uses it as much as the rest of the world. And I think as a whole, that's kind of sums up Europe. Especially, I guess, it's especially when it comes to the different languages and stuff like that, like it's harder for someone to put a emphasis or a figure on the value of a rider's social media because you don't know. Like Paul Ann nowadays seems to be having a right old laugh and it seems like he's really happy and it seems like he's loving life, which is great. But it's all in French, so I don't really know. <laughs> like, so you know what I mean? Like, if if Paul Ann was speaking in English, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's doing this project. Like, he's doing a project at the moment. I ain't got to scoop you what it is, because it's all in French. But, so you, you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's why I think it generally is more valued in America, because it's a blanket thing that you know, oh, I'm an American company sponsoring an American rider, and I want to reach the American fans. Well, I know that this rider is talking to 500,000 American fans. Whereas, oh, I'm a German company who wants to reach British fans where Paul Ann's speaking French. Like, yeah. it kind of doesn't, it's a bit more of a confusing mess. Yeah. It's, it, the strategy is, 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 is you know, got to be in line with, um, it, with what your, your desired outcome is. And Europe, Europe does not make that That's easy. Pretty, um, well, Europe generally is a bit behind America. Like I would say that Europe is well, Europe is massively behind as far as fantasy sports go. As, like not motor, not just motocross as a whole, fantasy sports is like ten years behind where America's at with it. And the same with podcasts. I'd say I'd say the podcasts are still five years behind where they are now at in America. Podcasts in Europe now are probably at the point they were at in like twenty twelve in America, like just just gathering some pace. I think I think a good representation of how social media has changed is you've got to look at people like 
uh, Axel Hodges and, and Tyler Berriman. And in the content, in the, the basically the reach that they're able to generate through not racing, just riding. But the interesting thing is that doesn't transition into Europe. Name a really clever or good free rider in Europe. Yeah, it just wouldn't happen. And even if, it, even if there was someone who was literally doing carbon copy of what Axel Hodges does, it just wouldn't gather as much pace because it's like... It's not cool. Well, that's a European. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's genuinely something that is on my mind. I've said it a million times now on this podcast. It's genuinely something I think about a lot because... But there are Europeans through. in different sports which work. Yeah, but that's just generally because of the magnitude of the sport. So that obviously carries you a certain... So because motocross is so niche, you can't get away with it. No. Well, get away with what? What do you mean get away with it? Well, because, well if it's something in big, it's bigger like football or Formula One or whatever, you can be a European because it's seen by many well, more people. Global yeah, sports. global sports. But that's what I mean. Motocross is more of a niche sport, niche audience. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't really know. I'm not like... I'm merely answering the question in the way that it's, I don't think it is as important in Europe as it is in America. Um, but I do think there is room to improve on that in Europe. But generally, if you think about riders coming up, there's no one who has an incredible social media presence and you're like, well, he's got that ride because of his name. It's in Europe, in GPs, EMX 250 to MX2, that sort of level. It is all still coming from results yeah. and potential. Yeah. Which it is in America too, but... I just don't think the social media side is even looked at. Let's leave that there because I think we've probably still got some more to add. But Leah has taken another step forward with the introduction of another set of boots to their range. The all-new 4.5. These boots offer many of the features that come with the super successful 5.5 Flex Locks boots, as well as advanced technology like the slide lock closure system and extended foot peg riding zone but a mid-range price point. 4.5 boots are available worldwide for £254 or €299. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. 
Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to part two uh, of the MX Vice Show podcast. Brought to you by Fly Racing. Keep a listen out for the helmet winner this week. Liap, Planet Motor Holidays, Brox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Evenstroke, Supercrosslive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzo Oils, and Talon Engineering. Pretty cool. I think pretty much all these sponsors could make up a bike and kit. Cool. And remember to support those guys. They're the ones who are supporting us. Now, part two. Brought to you by Technical Touch with an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the EMX world. The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. With all anodized internal parts and DLC coated in the tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum by adding a mid speed valve. The KYB factory kit spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of this factory suspension product is a custom spring collar, which provides more front wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. You too can experience the best in off-road suspension that is used by the likes of Jeremy Seawer and Ben Watson. Head to technical-touch.com forward slash for more information. So, as mentioned, thank you to all our uh, advertisers and sponsors. We do uh, try and talk about them as much as possible. They help us put the show together. They help MX Vice continue. So um, sorry if we uh, do go on about it a little bit, but um, these are the guys which uh, enable us to do the cool things that we do. So we're in the Leah Ask Vice Anything segment. We had a, a question from Jack L. Hyde about how social media is, is, is it kind of changing um, the perception of talent in motocross? Because, good, great question, because now I don't think right at the top level, but just underneath that, people and brands really see the value of uh, social media as much as, as results. Interestingly, pretty much all the contracts what uh, riders will sign now will have uh, a variety of social media clauses in there, if you didn't already know. So next question, at Matt, Matt Evans773, what's your favorite track ever as a fan? Lewis Phillips. Weirdly, well, maybe not weirdly, uh, the Isle of Wight was the first thing that came to mind. And I kind of feel like that isn't actually my favorite track ever, but you know what? I think it might be. Really? Okay, cool. Yeah, that was the funny thing. The funny thing is, I can't really remember much about it other than like the heels, the start. Actually, I guess I can kind of remember the entire layout when I say that. But no, that was a bloody cool place. And weirdly, as well, I've got a Supercross one as well, which I don't know why this sticks out in my mind. But um, well, I know why. Uh, St. Louis, two thousand and nine. Is that because you were there with a family? No. Pastrana, uh, Pastrana designed the track, and it was very sick. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I wish, they would re- I wish they would rinse and recycle that track nowadays. Just take the floor plan and build it again. We're doing it with um, 2007 Orlando, so let's do it with 2009 St. Louis. There we go. Okay, I'm, I might even uh, have a look at that on Supercross Life. I don't think it goes back to 2009. Bugger. Uh, my favorite track is the mighty Farley Castle, Farley Hungerford. Uh, and that's just because of the memories over the years. Obviously, it's on my doorstep. 
And I got to see uh, some amazing races throughout the 80s and seeing some of the best riders in the world uh, or I've ever rode motocross ride there. So, um, yeah, phenomenal. Uh, and when, you, when you're seeing 30,000, 40,000 people at a track, it's, it's crazy. So um, th those memories will stay in my mind. It'd be hard pushed to find um, something else. So cool. Cool question. Uh, at Carol Crossland, 26, how does MXGP manage to have different tracks countries fully set up each week? Um, well, as far as flyaways go, there's like a separate set of equipment that does the flyaways. So the skybox that you see in Volkenswaard is not the same skybox that you see in Argentina. There's like an Argentina set, or not an, just Argentina, um, uh, flyaway set that will go out like three weeks before whatever the lead time is that they need. So that's how the flyaways get done. And then um, week to week in Europe really isn't. It's the same way that Supercross works. Supercross can do it because it's only like an eight-hour drive from one state to the other. Well, it's no different going from Czech Republic to Lommel. Drive on Monday, start set up on Tuesday, and off you go. So as far as Europe goes, it's quite manageable. And then, yeah, that's how they pull, away, pull off the flyaways. They have a separate set of um, infrastructure that just kind of sits in storage until it's time to go abroad. We often um, found ourselves talking about it uh, throughout the last year. That when we're sort of sat down having uh, food in a restaurant, you kind of look around and you see how many staff that they actually have there that they've got to feed. And then you start thinking we're in the middle of nowhere and they've got all this food. And uh, like the whole, when you start to look behind the scenes at how they pull this off, it is pretty amazing. Yeah, and um, well, that's a whole other element to it. But on a Sunday evening, by the time I'm leaving the track on a Sunday evening, which is probably 11 p.m., um, the pit box, the sky box, everything like that has pretty much been torn down completely. So the second the last, well, actually during the last MXGP race, they have already started to dismantle the pit lane. Halfway through the moto, they'll come through and start unhooking banners and like starting to loosen up some TV hanger things and like getting things ready because they have to work that yeah. quick. I, I do know from um, when we stayed in hotels um, and the staff have been there and a few people that we know, we know that the, the video guys will be putting everything together till about four or five in the morning. So they'll literally do the whole day editing, you know, light for live TV and everything else. But then they will stay on and work through the night to get everything completed and finished. Um, and we've been in the hotel around about sort of 11, 12 o'clock at night working. And you'll see some of the um, workers still coming back then who've literally have been taking down tracks and, and putting everything together in the dark, which is crazy. The craziest thing is how many TVs MXGP transport from one country to the next. Because there's got to be, there's got to be, whoa, um, forty TVs in pit lane, and then another fifteen in the skybox, and then like there's two in the media room, two in the rest. Like they must transport. They must have a hundred televisions that they take from one country to the next. I know it's completely random and has no bearing on anything, but. That's just a random thing to think. It's random, it's random to think MXGP are transporting that many televisions. But I think it's just, it's really like, you know, I talk about, let's talk about that. Okay, we haven't got 40,000 fans at a, a track anymore because there's so much, we've already talked about it previously, there's so much variety or so many things people can do now um, that going to watch a motocross race is probably not top priority like it was 20, 30 years ago. However, could you imagine 1980s with, 
TVs in pit lanes in everything that we got nowadays. Incredible. It's amazing how far the sport has come on a professional level. Okay. At the Honda T Mathis, opinions on the MX2 class this year? I think, I, I think we've done this recently, but I don't think it's that deep. And I think that it's basically going to be what you saw last year. Sands, Olsen and Watson. Like, Gertz and Vial leading the way. Beaten Renault. And I'm missing someone. Beaten Renault. Moustite. They will all win GPs. And then apart from that, I think that Beniston, Guadagini, those yeah. riders will get in mix on occasion. But I think it'll be hard for those riders to um, uh, win over rules. Same as Caden Wolf. I think Caden Wolf will have some rounds where he wows people and he's in the mix and he's setting fastest lap times and it's incredible. And then there'll be other rounds where it's a bit rough and tumble. But the underdog in MX2 that everyone's sleeping on is Rene Hoffer because he kind of could put it all together. Yeah. There we go. On that note, how weak is uh, the 250 Supercross? Bring on the West Coast. That's all I can say. Yeah, I was thinking that when I was watching it last night. It was kind of just... Mm, yeah. Well, it's no secret. They lapped up to fourth last night, so... At Hank Jan Lewis. Lewis, do you have more tips for Supercross races to watch? 2009. Didn't you just say? I, I gave him, like, um, 20 races last week. He, must, he works quick. Yeah, I think the supercrosslive.tv thing only goes back as far as 2010. I think it goes beyond that. But if you can, if you want to search up the YouTube, 2005 San Diego is the best supercross race ever in my mind. Uh, Atlanta 2005, also great. Daytona 2005. Uh, the entire 2006 season, including the two Canadian rounds before Anaheim won. Um, 2007. Orlando, uh, 2009, Jacksonville. Um, yeah, there's, actually, that's quite a lot that I've just listed. Yeah, but 2005 was another really good season. San Diego was the best Supercross race ever, in my mind. And Atlanta the following week was a nice little um, sequel to that. And then so was Daytona the following time. So there you go. There you go, Hank. There we go. James, anything to contribute? Yeah, I definitely do every, all of them, what Lewis said. I mean, you know, I've spent a lot of time uh, looking at Supercross races, but uh, Lewis has probably answered that question um, for me. Koschiev, 79. Will we see MX Vice at a Russian MXGP in 2021? Will we? This question is good insight because this Russian guy has noticed that MX Vice hasn't been at a Russian GP ever and wants us to be there, and it made me feel good inside. Okay, so why has M MX Vice not been at the Russian GPs previously? Well, it's just a bit of a pain in the arse, isn't it? Like, get, you have to go into London to get a visa for can it. I, can I just say that not this year, but the year before, you were scared that you were going to get shot? No, not at all. Uh, you thought that, No, that's exactly what you said to me. You feared for your life. Oh, yeah, I've said it's probably going to be quite sketchy, but that wasn't why I didn't want to go. It's because. No, no. Okay. There, there was a whole year that you didn't go because you were scared. Okay. Oh. Or, it, as I'm saying now, you have to go into London and get a visa, which is a lot of money, and then you lose a day of work. And it's just like for one round to do all of that, it's like, it's a lot of faff and commitment for one round. But I do actually want to go to, 
the Russian GP because my OCD doesn't like it when I do every round but one. I like it when I do every round. So but it's just a lot of hassle. If they could just, if we could just not do this visa, like I've said it before, but if you live in Belgium, going to the Russian GP is no different to going to the French GP. Like they literally just drive along and off they go. But it's such a faff for people living in England. Such a faff. So basically, Kostji, um, Lewis didn't have the balls to go in the first two years. And then the third year, it was a lot of faff with paperwork. So he bailed out. Yeah, they didn't, the visas didn't exist before um, last year. They, Russia was fine. So that, that's the real answer. Um, that, that, that's the equivalent of Lewis's version. I will again look into it this year and see how much the visa costs and what sort of wait time there is. And it's the same with China, to be fair. Um, the, I didn't go to 2019 China because I ended up in hospital. But to go there, I was in the process of sorting the visas to go there. And you have to do a, you have to send a Chinese embassy a schedule of what you will be doing every day. Like I had to put in the Sunday, I will be interviewing MXGP world champion, Tim Geyser. And then I will be interviewing MXGP runner up, Jeremy Sewer, like that level of detail. I had to even put rough times to it. So like, okay, the race finishes at five, at 5.15, I will be interviewing Tim Geyser. And I had to do this for every member of staff. Just a, it's a right old fact. I'll tell you what, I'll prob- I would probably rule out China at this point for this year because that visa process was a right pain in the ass. Well, uh, I might be going to China, so um, there we go. I'll, I'll cover that one. Well, okay, that's not happening. Yep, but... I've approved that one. Right, at Jim Bobaruni underscore D. Actually know this guy and would like to do a huge shout out to his brother who um, broke his back on his mountain bike and is in the hospital at the moment uh, being looked after. So... Um, Hope he uh, is okay and he's back up and running soon. So at Jim Bob Rooney underscore D Forkner is out again for the 18th season in a row. Wow. Does he end up doing an AC and putting it together at the last chance to win a title or always just be up as the guy who was so close yet so far? Forkner will be fine whether he wins a title or not. I really don't. I'm not on board with the whole doomsday like. What a disaster. I mean, it is a bit of a disaster, but it's not a long-term problem. Like, he'll come back. He'll be good outdoors. It's actually, if he, it's actually going to be quite interesting to see what he does outdoors because it's been so long since he raced the Nationals. So, like, who knows? But whether he wins a title or not, he'll be fine. He says he's going 450s next year, but I imagine he'll be back in 250s. And, yeah, there's no drama. It's no drama. Everyone needs to calm down on the Faulkner hate and slander. Is there that much out there? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I think he's turned off his comments on his Instagram, which kind of says it all. Wow. Wow. Maybe I'll do that. Okay. So that's it. All the questions done. Thank you very much to those people who are sending questions. Uh, Lewis's favorite people. Uh, if, if anybody else does have questions and you're not getting any luck with Lewis, then send them through to me. I don't have favorites. So there we go. Uh, brought to you by Liat. Fantastic. Try out the Flexi. What are they, what are they Lewis? The Flexi what? The Faulkner That's the ones. I thought they got a Flexi something. They're, you're thinking of the 5.5 Flex Lock boots. They do have a Flex um, feature, but the name of the boots is the 4.5 boots. Moving on, James. Okay, cool. <laughs> 
Do you want to announce the fly winner or do you want to go into that shit game? No, I told you quite clearly multiple times we'll do that after the second advert break. And you um, you even said that at the beginning of this section that we'll do it. That after is a long time ago. Break. It is a long time ago. You're going to have to wait. All those people that are driving, you know, listening to this while they work, you're going to have to wait. Or you can just fast forward. Um, well, no, because people will want to hear this game. Um, last week, you got zero out of five. It was a poor showing. So, will you rebound? I would say that there are some easy questions this week, so you should get one at least. Okay. Okay, that's promising. I would say. That's, that's um, promising. But yeah, so uh, this is even strokes. Are you smarter than a birth game? It's a five-question quiz uh, testing James's knowledge on the sport, which... Well, actually, he said uh, he went on a little rant earlier about how he knows more than blah, blah, blah. So we're about to find out. Even Strokes is an online shop with a range of offers on talent wheels, props, performance parts, and much more. Be sure to visit www.evenstrokes.com for deals on products, especially seeing as everyone who makes a purchase of more than £15 gets entered to win £1,000 worth of prizes too. Now, question one. We're going to start with the easiest. Okay. What was Antonio Caroli's first year on a Red Bull KTM? Ooh. Hmm. So, switch. I'm going to say... I'm going to say... We're going to need a bit more speed out of you here. Okay, I'm going to say... 2009. Oh, so close. We were looking for 2010. Damn it. Okay. That's great. 2009 was his first year in MXGP, his first MXGP title. Uh, He was on a Dakali Yamaha, and then, yeah, 2010, he moved to KTM with Dakali. Okay. Question two. One of the Steve Ramon facts is true. Oh, God. Which one is it? A, he was the 2008 MXGP world champion. B, he won no overalls en route to his last world title. Or C, he ended his career as Stefan Everts' teammate. Uh, He won no overalls. That's correct. Yes! Complete guess? No, because I believe you might have said something similar about Steve Ramon a couple shows ago, and I remembered. Oh, well, it's quite a well-known fact, yeah. Um, You didn't think he was... uh, Well, that title was in 2007, so yeah, you're right. He was not the 2008 MXGP World Champion. That was Philip Hartz. 1-1. Thank you very much, Michael Barrymore. Dallon Leoc's last overall win came on a Honda in 2010. What team was he riding for, though? Fucking hell, I don't fucking know, do I? Talon Leoc's last overall win came on a Honda in 2010. What team was he riding for, Fucking Honda team. I'm going to need... I'm going to have to push you for a name. You know Honda team names. Think about Honda teams in the paddock at the moment. Some historic Honda teams. Like... It's not that hard. Hmm... No, the only ones I can think of is Asamoto. Okay, is that your answer? No. I don't know. 
Cass Honda, yeah, etc. Yeah, no, I can't. What? Yeah, no, I can only think of Cass and Asimoto in. That's it. Well, is your answer Cass Honda? Yes, that's incorrect. The answer you were looking for is LS Honda. Damn, that's the same team as Simpson, wasn't it? Well, yeah, one point. Uh, one one answer correct, two incorrect. Question four. Who has had more podiums in the MXGP class? Max Ansi? Sean Simpson? Or Arno Tonus? Hmm. Max Ansi? Sean Simpson? Or Arno Tonus? Question four. Bollocks. MXGP. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm gonna go. Do, 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 do. I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm gonna go. Mm, Anstey. Incorrect. We were looking for Tonus. Oh, for fuck's sake. Tonus has seven, Simpson has six, and Anstey has six. Fuck's sake. Fucking questions with just one in them. Well, you still got it wrong. Question five, the final question. What number? Was Jonathan Barragan most known for running in his oh, career? Fuck Effectively, off. what, uh, what number? What no number one cares. did Jonathan? No one cares. <laughs> what number did Jonathan Barragan basically run for his entire MXGP career? His entire career, effectively. Which number? I don't know. I wasn't a fan of Jonathan Barragan. No offense to Jonathan, but was it a rider I looked out for? He was a GP winner. And he had basically the same number on his he bike the entire he time. He could have been a fucking disco dancer at the World Disco Dancer Championships, but I didn't. I don't care. Name a number. There are millions for you to choose from. Twenty. That's incorrect. Would you like to have another? Oh, oh I don't. Oh, actually, seven. That's correct. I remember now. <laughs> no, I think you just googled that. I fucking googled it. I don't know, that's a bit suspicious that you were so adamant that you didn't know, gave the wrong answer, and then suddenly knew. No, it came back, it came back to me when I thought of, um, weirdly, um, Steve from, um, whatchamacallit. I forgot he wrote, I got, I forgot Steve, he even wrote Steve Turner, yeah. That's where I remembered it from. And do you know what the, do you know the ironic thing about that? It's my what? number as well. Is yeah. it? Well, unfortunately, I will have to take your first answer, which was incorrect. So you got one out of five. That's fine, I'll week. take that. You're a prick. Game shit as well. That's one, out of, that's one out of five this week, which is a slight improvement over your score of zero Absolutely last Absolutely no one cares. No one even listens to this part of the show. Not one person's messaged me and, and actually said about the show. So it actually tells me no one cares. Thank you for your participation. And fuck off. Right. Let's go for advert breaks. I've had enough. Are you going to go and find a plaster for your emotional boo-boo? <laughs> Piss off. Right. Thanks to Fly Racing, Liat Planet Moto, Holidays, Brox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Evenstroke, SuperclassLive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzel Oils, and Talon Engineering. 
with an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. With all anodized internal parts and DLC coated inner tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum. By adding a mid-speed valve, the KYB factory kit spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of this factory suspension product is the custom spring collar, which provides more front wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. You too can experience the best in off-road suspension that is used by the likes of Jeremy Seaway and Ben Watson. Head to technical-touch.com for more information. We'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to part three of the MX Vice Show podcast. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. And someone else's game is going to be changed with the announcement of the winner of the Formula Helmet, Lewis Phillips. Yes, hi. Thanks for bringing me in. No problem. So, I've put everyone's names into an online randomizer. Oh, I used one of those the other day. Fortunately, I kind of was ahead of the game this time. So, every time someone entered over the last week, I then added their name. because. If I'd left it until the last minute, I would have been there for hours. I wondered why somebody messaged me out of blue with Justin Brayton. 
Now it all makes <laughs> sense. Wait, they message you personally? Yeah. But do you want to message me their name quickly so I can add them in? No, because we... funny enough, I checked and they had already messaged um, like us as well. Okay. So um, it's okay. His, his name was Adam. Okay, well, yeah, I know. I, know I think, was it Adam about. Foster or something like that? Adam? Yeah, he's in. I remember him. He's in. I spoke okay, to him. That's... So, there are many names on this randomizer. I actually can't even read them because they're all, the wheel is on a spinny wheel thing. And there's so many compartments to this wheel that I can't even see everyone's name. So, shall we give away a fly Formula Helmet? Let's do it. I think in total, we have something along the lines of 127 entries. Woohoo! Spinning the wheel. Now. Wow. It's spinning. A one in 127 chance of winning. It's spinning. I'm, I'm so excited. I entered 107 times. It's spun. The winner is Jacob Corder. Well done, Jacob. You the man. Congrats, Jacob. That's amazing work by you. So enter this competition and win. You win a fly Formula helmet and Lewis is going to model it in his Speedos. I have no idea where Jacob's from, but he sounds like an English name. Okay. So maybe he's English. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, congrats, Jacob. You were the winner of the fly Formula helmet. I will get in touch with you today and we will figure out how you are going to receive your helmet. Congrats from all of us here at MX5. Do you like giving other men your helmet? Thanks to Fly Racing as well for actually giving us a Formula helmet to give away, because I feel like, I've said it, I said it before when we first did a competition, Europe is often neglected in um, times like that, so it's good for... No more, no more. We are here. To help Europe. We are the connection. Well, congrats, Jacob Corder. All right. I'll say my piece. Right then. What next? <laughs> Do you know what you want to talk about, James? Uh, well, um, how's Dougie? Okay, we're not talking about that. No, let's talk, talk about, about let's talk about Dougie. So, if you know, we're not doing that. If people don't know... Lewis, no one cares. No, they do. You, you literally said to me, you literally said to me before we recorded this podcast, I don't want to go on about bullshit that no one cares about. And you've literally plucked off the most random bullshit that no one cares about. Right. First, Dougie is uh, Lewis's dog. Um, Not my dog, my family's it's, dog. It's a sausage dog. So, um, and Lewis had to go to the vet's the other night. Emergency appointment, which cost him £200 before he got through the door. Tell us how you feel about spending £200 on Dougie. I'm much deeper in than £200 right now. Oh, how much? I was, how much? I was, happily, I was happily take £200 payment right now. Uh, oh, so how much was the follow-up treatment? £1,450. <laughs> how much does that hurt you? I almost drove myself off a cliff. <laughs> So, if anybody <laughs> don't know, Lewis is very frugal with his money. It took him eight years. I am. It took eight years, brilliant. Eight years to decide what car he was going to get. If anyone feels like they need a financial advisor, speak to me because I am. When I, my first ever job was sweeping hair at a barber's, and I got paid. I did it one day a week 
and I got paid £20 a day, which is bollocks. I saved a grand up from doing that one day a week job. I had a, and I got paid in £20 cash. And in, when I was like 15, in an envelope, in, a, in an envelope under my mattress, I had a grand cash because I know how to save money. I don't spend money on shit. So that means he never spent a penny of his own money, just spent his parents. Basically, we can probably actually come up with quite a lot of. Um, I could save a thousand pounds if I spent everybody else's money. James is the opposite. The problem is, James is the opposite to me. So there's been times when I would do stuff to save money at MX Vice. Like, for instance, for a year, I slept on the floor in hotel rooms to, to basically stop us spending money on another hotel room because I was quite happy sleeping on the floor. Wasn't. And I was like, well, why not? First, that's an exaggeration. It wasn't a year. It was. Uh, probably it was it was a whole year it was 2017 it wasn't it was, it, was about, it was about three weeks and then tell them what you've done the year after oh, that's a big lie. what did i do the year after you basically would not stay in a hotel what didn't have a pool okay again this just, this no that is and i will bring sean onto this show to clarify this we stayed in a hotel up a fucking mountain because yeah, it had a certain 2015 which was 2015 which wasn't even open that was 2015. He picked a hotel with a swimming pool, which wasn't even open. Yeah, that was 2015. The year that I slept on the floor to save money was 2017. Well, I think we need to get back to those days. I think that I need to maybe give you a little lesson on what's gone on in the last five years, because you're so... I worry, actually, how incorrect your knowledge yeah, is. Yeah, you might say I've got Alzheimer's, but... Literally, you just make shit up. It's like Chinese whispers, which start with an actual fact, and then you just like roll on it and roll on it and roll on it. So it gets to the point where it's so fabricated. There was one hotel that I booked in Italy, and I said, look how nice it is. It's got a pool. And you have now run with that to every hotel I stay at. No, has to have a pool. no I, you've been in the office with me, and I'm like, what are you doing? And you're like, looking for hotels. And I'm like, well, what have you got? And you're like, I've got this one with a pool. I've got this yeah, one with Because a pool. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I generally use my rule of thumb is if a hotel has got a swimming pool, it's probably quite all right because they've, in, they've got like money. That's kind of how I work. <laughs> like <laughs> Indonesia, obviously, I'm going to... Oh, that's my It makes perfect God. sense. It does because if a, ho- if a hotel doesn't have a swimming pool, that means that it's just a general basic thing and probably means they don't have Wi-Fi. They might have a swimming pool, but it probably ain't got any fucking water in it with the ones you pick. So now you're... So on one hand, you're telling me that I book extravagant, too many extravagant hotels with swimming pools, and now you're telling me that I book shit hotels that won't have water in a pool. Everybody, mind, okay? everybody who had to stay in hotels in those years with MX Vice will agree with me that it was very much up and down with whatever we stayed in. Hold on, hold on. The very rare times that you booked hotels, we had to leave them because they were terrible. Erne Desnations, I got bed bugs from the hotel when you booked. And when I say hotel, it was a it was someone's shed in their back garden that had been converted to have a bed in it. So, I got bed bugs. That was so funny. And and then what was the result? I got bed bugs, so then everyone else wanted to leave. So then, so we ended up staying in what was effectively the most basic hotel ever. That was an Ibis, wasn't it? Was it Ibis? Yeah, but in America, people aren't going to know what an Ibis is. It was an Ibis budget an hour and a half away from the track because James had booked his shitter, and then we tried to book a new hotel for the nations the night before, and the only thing available was an hour and a half away. and. 
Yeah. Do you know what? So, right. What? Do you know what? This is a true story. Back in the day, you know, not it wasn't even that long ago. We literally were like living by month to month because obviously we didn't have the back in what we did. That's one of the reasons why we sold in the first place. But we didn't have the the back in from from you know as brands like we do now. It's it's a completely different story now. And literally, it'd be like right, we've got a thousand pound to to do the next three months, or most of the stuff would go on my credit cards. So it was it's the stories we could tell you are just hilarious. But I. I genuinely don't know how we got through those years and, and managed to yeah, do it's just everything. Everyone does it, don't they? No one starts off killing it. No, it's it's funny though. It is funny, but but it's it's you know it's it's what made us you know who we are and, and where we are now. So um, yeah, but you are the most frugal person in the world. Yeah, and I'm proud of it. What about your TV? That was an extravagant purchase. Yeah, yeah that was three hundred quid. It took me like 10 years. Uh, and you had like a black and white portable before then with a winder on the side, didn't you? A what? <laughs> you used to wind it up to get electricity going. Uh, okay, cool. Okay, one thing I did want to talk to you about was, and we mentioned it at the start of the, uh, start of the show, was Supercross last night, or not last night, Tuesday night, I should say. And uh, we mentioned Roxon. And I kind of want to give Roxon our new section, which is basically performance of the week. Do you agree? Uh, performance of the week? I'm sorry, is that sponsored by someone? Hang on, please hold. Yes, it is. Blenzo Oil's performance of the week. For over 60 years, Blenzo Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Lacey, who won the 2020 Two-Stroke World Championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Blenzel's Rich Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of two-stroke and four-stroke racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. So each week, we will be talking about our Blenzel Oil Performance of the Week. And this week, we awarded it to none other than the mighty German, Ken Roxon. One thing is like, how American is Ken Roxon? Yeah, I was actually thinking that the other day. It's like, even though he's German, I, I swear all people in America uh, who are probably new to sport probably don't realize he's from Germany. They're just probably thinking because he talks American, you know, with his American accent. Just not even, yeah. Little did we know that, I can remember, I think I've got some photos from 2000 and, I don't know, nine, 2009, maybe 10, at Donington Park when um, uh, Roxon came over just to ride uh, MX2 British Championship. I think he's only like 15 or something. I've said, I've told the story before, but I learned German at, as a GCSE so that I could interview Ken Rockton, <laughs> which I still look back on now as a stupidest thing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Planet Moto bombshell of the week. You fucking what? You learned... I've told this a million times. No, 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 no. You what? You learned German to interview... <laughs> 
I've literally said this on a podcast before. You're not. Yeah. You... When I was picking my when I was picking my four subjects for GCSEs, which is effectively I don't know what it would, what the equivalent would be in America. Basically, the exams you do at the end of high school before you go to college. I chose uh, subjects based around what I would want to do as a job, which is this. So I chose media studies. I chose IT so that I could be proficient on a computer. I chose graphic design just in case I needed to whip up any designs. And I chose German because I was like, well, this Ken Roxon kid's going to be massive one day, so I'll better learn German because then that'll be the only way I can speak to him. But not thinking <laughs> he would learn English. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better and you can still experience that right now. Ah. Planet Moto still have packages available plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit tracks like Red Sand, as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Or if you need this in German, contact Lewis. I genuinely... Yeah. I, I genuinely... What was your whole... Th- what was your... No, I, it, it I was, qualified. What, in German? I'm, I'm qualified in German. I've got a certificate downstairs that officially states I am qualified in German. <laughs> Doing what? Ah, speaking the German language, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. This has gone downhill very fast. Right. Uh, going back to Supercross, um, I don't even know how we've got onto GCSE German. <laughs> going back to Supercross, one of the uh, performances which was up there, I think, and there's been a great, back, great comeback this year, I want to talk to you more about, was Aaron Plessinger as well. He's looking really, really good. But compared to what he has been over the last two years of 450. I'm just genuinely glad to see it because I, oh, it sounds terrible, but I kind of feel sorry for him in a way. So like, whenever I see him doing well like it was last night, I'm just kind of like, oh, good for him. Good for him. I mean, there's no doubt that he can do it and he is capable of being the, the like, say, four to eight type rider with the occasional podium. I don't think he's ever going to, run with Roxon and Tomac and compete for consistent wins, but there's no doubt that he can do the four to eight level, which I think is where, like, that's a nice spot for him to be. And I think so far, he's proven that. He's actually flown a bit under the radar as well. Yeah, it'd be good to see if he can capitalise on the performances and just keep consistent throughout the rest of the year now. Do you do you kind of see him staying on Yamaha or do you think it, it's, it's time's up there? No, I don't. I would think that maybe he would, but there's a lot of moving parts there because I think all three, all three 450 riders, that's probably not for Andis, are out of contract. And then there's riders moving up, so who knows? And Colt Nichols looking uh, obviously promising on the other... Um, yeah, there's that, that coast is over. That coast is over. And uh, Jet obviously winning the last chance qualifier, but obviously not lining up for the, the main race. That whole thing with Oldenburg was so weird, hey, that he got in basically because Jet um, didn't line up. Otherwise, he'd have been out. No, that wasn't. No, that wasn't. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to explain this to you easily on this podcast. Oh, please. I'll send you a please try. No, because everyone, no, everyone else knows. So I don't even know how to, I don't even want to like, go into a 10 minute explanation just for you. I mean, you're special and everything, but you're not that special. But Oldenburg is releasing a video on his social media today, uh, Wednesday, explaining the whole drama from his side. So that'll be interesting. Okay. Well, that's cool. That will be interesting. So I think that's it. I think we're done. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, 
Yeah, I hope people like my, the goal for the goal for twenty twenty one was to prove that we can do these shows consistently. And when I say when I say we, when I say we, I mean James. Fuck off, you're as bad as me. Would you? Well, would you look at it? We've managed to get five in a row. I mean, you did message me yesterday saying let's not do a podcast this week. No, the reason why I said no, let's not do a podcast is because it's just there's, there's not a lot happening. Yeah, welcome to the off season. Well. It's the, the fact that we're all in lockdown as well. We can't actually go, yeah. we can't go out and do anything. Like in theory, you'd be in America, or worst case scenario, if you couldn't have got to America because they were close, you would have gone. You'd be in Red Sands now. Yeah, I would quite like to be in Red Sands. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's 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 been a difficult couple of um, it's been a difficult couple of weeks. And as if everything's going to be off until June, then um, it's going to be harder. Yeah, hopefully it won't be, but we will see. Um, well, if this international Italian thing's going to happen at the end of the month, that'll be good because they normally do a live stream and maybe, maybe I'll even be able to go. Maybe. Maybe. They haven't got any problems over there. I was talking to Jill Caroli uh, today and their restaurants are open. Everything's all good. I think to get to Sardinia, you've got to go on a boat. Yeah, you would, you would have to, Lewis, or, or uh, fly. I don't think you can fly. I think you have to do both. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think I think you Sardinia because it's obviously a little island. I think you go to Italy and then from Italy you have to get a boat to Sardinia. I think I might go if you're going. Okay, I'm out. Perfect. I'll go in. I just I'd rather keep you at arm's length if I'm honest. Whatever. Everybody knows you like to have a cuddle. Well, it's just right. It's just hard. Let's wrap this up. We're waffling. Brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Moto, Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Evenstroke, Supercrosslive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzel Oils, and Talon Engineering. Coming up, you've got the Supercross Saturday night. So um, looking forward to that. And then we will be back next week talking about fuck all, probably. So we'll see you then, won't we, Lewis? We will indeed. See you, everyone. See you later. Bye. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Evenstrokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. 
Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. The MX Vice Show. 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 Show